3: Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com.
4: For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus
0: Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple
1: Podcast. Go get that Welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer. I want to thank you for joining as we welcome in four special guests to break down the 2016 wide receiver draft class, one the Vikings look primed to pluck from at the end of this month. First, we're going to welcome in Ohio State wide receivers coach Zach Smith to discuss Michael Thomas, the Buckeyes leading receiver, and Braxton Miller, the former Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback who had to switch positions because of a shoulder injury. And then we're going to get to the guy who recruited Josh Doxon out of a Texas high school, having to talk him out of pursuing basketball to come to the University of Wyoming to play football. And then we'll also chat with Ole Miss wide receivers coach Grant Hurd, who's going to tell us all about Laquan Treadwell, probably the consensus top receiver in this draft class. And then we're going to finish off with a chat with CBS sports draft analyst Dane Brugler, who's going to put it all into perspective for us. I'm joined now by Ohio State wide receivers coach Zach Smith. Zach, I want to thank you for joining me here. Uh, before we get to Michael Thomas, who's the potential first or second round pick uh, who led the Buckeyes in receiving the past couple seasons, I want to ask you about Braxton Miller. Uh, Braxton's got a, a really rare case as a former Heisman Trophy candidate, at quarterback being forced to switch positions uh, because of issues with his throwing shoulder. Uh, how do you think Braxton handled the, the transition this past year to receiver?
0: He handled it like Braxton Miller would. I mean, for anyone that knows him, he's a pro, and I mean, he's he just wants to be successful. He wants to be great. So he handled it like somebody who has that burning desire would. I mean, he attacked it like a like a guy that this is his his dream, and he wants to do this for a living. So he, the minute he kind of made had the realization and and made the decision to switch positions, he he put, went all in, and I mean, it was. I mean, late nights in the summer of just learning the position, doing drills, you know, meeting, and just really trying to get him ready because he knew he had a short timeline to kind of put his put his ability to play receiver on on film to you know build his resume. So he was uh, he was wasting no time, and, and it was complete commitment. He saturated himself in the position.
1: Yeah, did having uh, Michael Thomas, kind of your own top flight receiver in the room, uh, help out with Braxton at all? Was he able to contribute to the process at all?
0: So, yeah, I mean, they're really, Mike and Braxton are close, as is. And Mike, you know, in, of all the guys I've ever coached, he's one of the uh, most professional and, and committed guys that I've been around. So he knows the position in and out. And he, uh, so he, he, you know, he helped his he'll help this boy out. He'd him up when they'd run routes. He'd tell him what he needed to do different and, you know, just tell him, you know, he, he knew so well what I was teaching, what we were trying to do, that he could be kind of me when I couldn't be there.
1: Now, Braxton only had the one year. Uh, Zach, where do you think he's at? Uh, what kind of receiver our NFL team's going to be getting in Braxton Miller?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's ready. He's ready for that level. And, and the, the cool thing is is I know, you know, I've been around big-time NFL guys, and I've been around average NFL guys. I've been around all of them, and what he was able to do in one, really, not even one year, really six months, uh, it just, it kind of gives you a glimpse into what he will become. And so that's that's what a lot of teams are going to have to do, is kind of see, wow, he, he this is this is the product today, after six months of work, what's it going to be in 18 months? <laughs> and so, He's obviously he's been one of the most gift, gifted athletes in the country the last you know four four years in college football, so now it's just going to be a team that actually has the confidence in their own coaching staff and structure to help him get to where a, a maximized version of himself. But he, he's not far from it now. I mean he, he put in the work and we did a, you know we got a lot done in those six months.
1: I'm not privy to his medical situation right now, but do you think it's possible he ever plays quarterback again? You know, I I, I don't know.
0: I mean, he's he's healed. It, it just it came, it came down to uh, if if something happened again to his shoulder, if he was throwing and all of a sudden it it, it re injured, it, it's over. It his last chance. It, you know, his last year, he didn't have a backup option. He made the decision to switch because it wasn't worth the risk because he knew, he knew he could play receiver at that level. It's one of those things that may, maybe with uh, without that finality and, and urgency, he might, you know, try to do it. Not, not in a full-time role, but certainly they could do some things with him. But for us, it just wasn't an option because if he re-injured it, it he's done.
1: Now, let's get to Michael Thomas. Now, Michael measured out uh, six foot three, ten and a half inch hands at the NFL scouting combine. He really is the prototypical build that would seem to be one of those big bodied targets. Uh, He's also got the pedigree being the nephew of former NFL star Keyshawn Johnson Uh, on the field. Zach, how would you describe Michael's style of play?
0: I mean, he's he's a complete receiver. I mean, he's he's got to be the best receiver in this draft. And if he, if he isn't, I would challenge that. He's, he is as football uh, savvy and a a receiver as I've coached and been around and seen. And he, uh, he's, he's playing chess where other people are playing checkers. He is legitimately dictating every snap, what is going to happen and what he's setting up for later. It's, he's, he's unbelievable. And he's, on top of that, the really cool part is he's a great kid, competitive. I mean, he's as close to my kids as any player I've ever had. I mean, he's he's the complete package. He really is. And that's not a coach on a radio show promoting his guy. That is legitimate.
1: Now, Michael Thomas is a 23-year-old junior. Uh, he spent a year at boarding school, coming out of high school, before joining Ohio State. Uh, after his freshman season, he took an unconventional redshirt year reportedly to focus on his grades and the playbook uh zach could you shed some light on what that redshirt year did for michael
0: i mean that redshirt year made him who he is today he was a guy that was very uh he was all over the place he was cloud he had a clouded uh perspective on himself on on really how to operate just how to function how to become a great one <coughs> excuse me he um he just didn't. He didn't have it figured out, and he was very cloudy. And so that year gave him the fuel and motivation. I mean, it legitimately made him play like he was starving for success. Where before he was just trying to, you know, do the right thing. Getting redshirted after playing as a freshman made him say, "All right, I'm done playing games. Like it's time to go to work."
1: So it sounds like he's come uh, at least some way. Uh, What changes have you seen in him uh, in these two years since that red shirt year?
0: I mean, I I saw a guy that was a very average player turn into the best receiver in the country. I mean, he—he really, he—he was. It was one of those things where it was so fun to coach him, but at the same time, it was exhausting because he would wear you out on this. What? What? what, You know, this. I watched in this corner plays like this and. And, you know, I've noticed him when I run routes, you know, this certain route, I'd run it, I have this flaw, and I need to fix that. And he would be in my office nonstop. He'd, call, he'd want to come over to the house and talk. And, I mean, it was just, it was exhausting in a good way.
1: Now, the Vikings could certainly use a big physical target, uh, and that's kind of the prototype they're gunning for here in this draft. Uh, Zach, what's Michael's play like in the red zone in contested spots? Uh, it seems to be he's got that size. How does he use it?
0: he's, he's going to win with his hands. I mean, he's, he's a very physical and physical uh, presence on the field. And when he, when he gets his hands on the corner, it's over. And uh, on top of that, when he doesn't do well with his hands or doesn't win at the line on a release, he's got some of the best ball skills I've ever seen. And so he's, he's going to high point a ball. His hands are ridiculously, I mean, they're big hands, strong. He's, I mean, he was, I, I'm trying to think. I don't, he had, I don't think he got covered in the red zone when, when we threw him the ball. I mean, it was more a matter of number of opportunities, not a matter of how many times he could win.
1: Tell me where Michael's still got to round out his game. Where does he have room to grow?
0: Um well, that's a good question. You know, he's his biggest his biggest flaw, I think, is just his he's his strength is a weakness. So some of his drive and motivation and, and kind of when he catches a football like he is, it's like he, he has to get in the end zone. And, just, and that's how he plays, and it's a great thing because when his run after the catch is phenomenal because of it. But also, God forbid he gets tackled on the one-yard line, he just can't let it go. I mean, he just it's like for a quarter of football, all he can think about is how he should have scored and what he should have done different. And so he's got to kind of grow and, and, and learn to let that play go and just move on to the next one. And the other thing is, he like any bigger receiver, he when he gets tired, he he's not as not as fine tuned and not as uh, you know not as much of a technician as he should be.
1: Now I asked this uh, to everybody, Zach, but give me an NFL comparison or maybe a guy you've seen in college or that you coached. Um, I know because you don't get to watch too much on Sundays, but who's somebody that reminds you of of Michael Thomas's game and somebody that you could say, okay, that yeah, that could be Michael Thomas one day.
0: I mean, just from what I've seen, heard, he's got ball skills like Odell Beckham. From from what I can, you know, gather, I don't know. I don't know much about his game other than that. I've just seen some of the catches he's made, and it reminds me a lot of Mike. Um, so I, I really, I really don't know. I mean, I don't know. I know Odell is probably one, probably a little bit different of a receiver, but balls his ball skills are very similar.
1: All right, one last question here before I let you go. Tell me one thing, uh, whether it be about him as a player or a person, that we're not going to hear about Michael Thomas, or that we won't necessarily know about him uh, before the NFL draft.
4: Um,
0: you know he's what you're not going to you're going to hear about Keyshawn Johnson. You're going to hear about his on the field successes, his his strengths and weaknesses as a player and as an athlete. But what you're not gonna hear about is is what really matters and what really sets him apart from from anyone I've coached and anyone in the draft and anyone in the league and you know, is what that kid has deep inside of him, you can't coach, you can't teach. It's just he has a burning desire to be elite. And it's not it's not something that is said, it's not something that you know, he just emulates you know, most of the time. I mean, he wakes up, goes to bed, eats lunch, showers, everything he does, he can't stop thinking about what he needs to do to get there. And and that's, that's what separates him, because there's no doubt he's going to be a big-time player in the NFL. There's not, because there's no way in his genetic DNA he won't put the work in to do that.
1: All right, Zach. I want to thank you for taking the time to talk today. It was a pleasure.
0: Yeah, no problem. Thanks.
1: Zach Smith, receivers coach at Ohio State University. Up next, we're going to talk to the guy who gave Josh Doxson his only football scholarship out of a Mansfield, Texas high school to the University of Wyoming. Now I'm joined by Toledo wide receivers coach, Derek Sage. At Wyoming in 2011, Derek coached Josh Doxon, who is now an NFL first-round hopeful out of TCU after he transferred from the University of Wyoming uh, after one year. He could be the Vikings' top choice in this month's NFL draft, and we're going to get some insight on Josh from Derek. Now, Derek, if you can go back a few years, what stood out to you about Josh's athleticism coming out of high school as both uh, football but primarily a basketball star?
3: Well, you know, I I actually recruited Josh, so... um I showed up at uh, Mansfield Legacy High School in the spring, uh, leading up into his senior year, and that's when I first saw Josh. It's kind of an ironic story because it was my first trip to Texas recruiting. You know, I'd I'd recruited Southern California, uh, recruited out in the New York area in my time at New Hampshire, but uh, it was my first trip to Texas, and uh, you know, everybody's dream is to coach or recruit Texas, and uh, it was my first school, first stop actually, and I saw him and uh just, you know, still kind of a little unfamiliar with the process on, on Dave Christensen's policy on getting, you know, offering your own position. And I uh, just called Dave up and said, hey, you know, got a really good receiver out here I like. And he says, well, if you like him, then offer him. So, um, you know, I went ahead and offered him and just obviously throughout the recruiting process, nobody else ended up giving him a scholarship. and um, You know, became close with him and his family and we got the kid to Toledo. So um, it, a unique situation, you know, I think his, he was more of a basketball player. He was injured. Uh, his junior year, um, you know, so he didn't have a lot on tape, which in Texas can hurt you. But, uh, you know, he had something. There's something about him that I really uh, I fell in love with, and it was the way he ran routes, natural pass catcher, the way I think his basketball tape really showed up on the football field, if that makes any sense. Um, but uh, just his, the way he can contort his body and stick his foot in the ground, sink his hips. I mean, just huge hands, big feet, long. You knew he was going to get bigger. You know, it was just uh, like a dream come true, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, and if I read correctly, Josh actually didn't start playing football until his junior year, right?
3: Uh, I'm going to say it was his sophomore year, oh, okay. kind of, you know, but not really playing. Um, and then, you know, I would imagine growing into his body at that time. And then um, his junior year, he kind of he started to excel. And then he ended up, I think he break, broke his wrist, is what he did in, in high school. And then, uh, yeah, but then he came back, and it was the first couple of practices that, that he was out there. And, um, you know, the rest is history.
1: Uh, what were your first impressions of Josh when you got him on the field there at Wyoming? I, I know he was only 18, 19 years old at the time, and he's obviously developed and grown since then. But did you notice that athleticism translate right away? Sure, yeah. I mean, it was the same
3: thing that we that we what we thought we were going to get. To be honest with you, it, it translated over to the field, and it translated really quick. You know, he came in the fall camp, and you know, first couple plays, he's you know he's running with the threes or the fours, but. It's always, hey, in one-on-ones, hey, who went up to go get that ball? You know, was the guy jumping that looked like he had springs in his shoes on that one, you know? Um, and then it just became more and more and more. And he started climbing his way up to the zip chart, and he's a two. And um, I got him into some games, and he had a huge catch against Nebraska that they actually reviewed on a fade and, and would have made it a three-point ball game and uh they and they took it back uh, unfortunately but there's clearly a picture i think he still got it on one of the social media pages diving catch i mean and you know they they, they had some good corners you know they had the Alfonso denard um kid and josh had a couple really good routes on him and he just took off after that you know he was a starting axe and he ended up leading our team and in, in touchdown receptions and yards per catch and um, you know, just his ability to pick up the game, too, which, you know, everybody was saying, you know, he's a basketball player, and here's this kid that, you know, was really, had a really good football IQ when he got to us, you know.
1: Uh, you've brought up his route running a few times now. What what do you think made him such a natural, especially when he kind of joined football so late in high school?
3: Yeah, you know, I think it's his athletic ability. Again, I think it's some of his, his hoop game shows up on the field. You know, he, he's got his, a natural ability to sink his hips, and not change speed you know and i think the receiver you know it's all about transition can you get in and out of your brakes and he has an, a canny ability to get in and out of his brakes and then he's just a smooth athlete you know he kind of glides along you know no, well he never put him on a clock but you know i didn't didn't really care because he was one of my people's his true freshman year i really don't get caught too much up in that i know that you know we had a speedster out there and robert Huron at, at the same time Everybody was wondering what robert runs in the 40 and He's going to run fast, but, you know, uh, I really don't care. You know, Josh, I don't care what he runs. He's running by guys, you know. Um, but, yeah, and, I mean, I watched TCU over the last two seasons, just watched how he progressed. You know, I actually went to the Combine. I had a kid at the Combine this year from Toledo and got to catch up with Josh and just, you know, watch him progress. But, yeah, he's he, I think he's a, just a smooth natural. He, he He's born to play wide receiver, you know, and – I mean, I, that, that was kind of one of our talks, you know, in the whole recruiting process is you are a receiver, man. You, you, you're not a three guard in any college <laughs> basketball right now. You know, you, nobody's looking for a power forward or center that's six, three, you know, like, come on. Um, you are born to play receiver. And, you know, we you got a school here that really likes you as one and I love you as one. So let's go, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, I think it's pure. He's got natural hands, just pure natural hands. Um, you know, they're big, they're soft. You know, and uh, and you put all all that together, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're going to get what you saw, especially out of that, that TCU offense. It's exactly what, I mean, I, I put it to another reporter this way. The things that he was doing didn't surprise any receiver in my room because he's all over my drill tape. He is doing the skills and the fundamentals exactly the way it's supposed to be. So when these guys are like, hey, did you see Doxon? Did you see Doxon? It's like, yeah, well, we've seen Doxon for three years now.
1: Uh, It seems he really had his heart set initially on basketball.
3: He did, he did. You know, it was, it was. I mean, I think once he knew he was getting trips uh, to colleges, I think he kind of knew, like, hey, this football is going to be my meal ticket. You know, and he's going to be fully devoted to football. But yeah, he was hung up on basketball for quite a while.
1: Now you said you got a chance to catch up with Josh at the combine. Uh, What's this entire draft process been like for him?
3: You know, he, he, Josh has got a really level head on his shoulders he's got a great support system from his mom uh and you know he's just he's a level-headed kid you know he was a level-headed kid about the entire time you know you go through a transfer you know there's you know, everybody goes through guys transferring but you know josh was great called up you know just explained the the reasons and um you know he was very thankful and appreciative for us giving him a scholarship and um you know the kid's got a re- he's really level-headed and grounded and, and uh uh, I think that uh, maybe the, the success, I guess, would be surprising to him. But other than that, uh, you know, I think he just takes one day at a time, to be honest with you, it's just like he did the football games. You know, hey, we're playing TCU this week. They're playing Nebraska this week. We're playing, you know, so-and-so this week. And he's not freaking out. He's going through his preparation and coming to play. So.
1: All right, Derek. Well, I asked this of everybody about the prospects here, but go ahead and give me an NFL player comparison or a college player uh, somebody well-known that you look at Josh Doxon and go, okay, yeah, that's that's a guy that uh, looks pretty similar to what I'm seeing.
3: Uh, that's a tough one. That really is. Um, uh, if I had to put it at as, as anybody as just a natural pass rusher or a natural pass catcher, uh, I mean, maybe a Larry Fitzgerald. That, that, But, you know, Larry Fitzgerald's made a living off a of, um, – knowing the game, being smart, being in the right position and and just catching the football. So um, I think Josh, maybe that's unfair, but I think Josh presents, you know, different things too. Josh can also go up and get the ball, you know, he can contort his body and he he plays the ball in the air really well. Um, So, I mean, maybe maybe that's a stretch, but, uh, you know, I think he's going to create some mismatches, you know, I mean, you know. A Mike Evans type deal where he's going to use his body. Now Mike Evans is six five and, and all that, but uh, you know Josh. Josh plays a lot bigger than his six three and quarter, six two quarter frame. You know whatever he was measured at the combine. I think he plays a lot bigger than that, and he's shown that on the national stage.
1: All right, Derek. One last question before I let you go. Uh, tell us something about Josh Doxson, whether it be about him as a person, uh, him as a player, that we're not going to hear uh, or necessarily know about him before the NFL draft
3: you're not going to hear anything negative about his character. I can just tell you that right now. I mean, I was in that home. I recruited him, was there many times. My family was there, you know, I think his mother held my child when she was a daughter, when my daughter was a baby. It's just a good, solid support system. He's a good kid. He's, you know, he, and again, I've only known him for, you know, the one year we were with him and then, you know, not, a ton of contact, but, uh, you know, just recently started talking to him again and obviously yeah. kind of went in the combine. but you're not going to hear one, one negative thing about his character. And I think he's really driven. He wants to play in the NFL and he's seen what he can do on a national stage in the big 12. And I think he's, it's opened his eyes that, Hey, I can do this at the next level and I can go and have a really, really good uh, career, you know, being a wide receiver in the, in the NFL, which is ultimately every kid's goal, you know, and it could be a great story for him because he picked up the game so
1: late. Thanks for joining today, Derek. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your insight about Josh. Uh, best of luck to your Toledo Rockets.
3: Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate it.
1: And that was Derek Sage, who recruited Josh Doxson out of a Texas high school to the University of Wyoming. Up next, we're going to talk to Laquan Treadwell's receivers coach at Old Miss, Grant Hurd. <laughs> Hey, this is Andrew Kramer from the podcast. Just want to thank you guys for checking out the Purple Podcast, which is typically just the three of us, myself, ESPN.com's Ben Gessling, and 1500 ESPN's Judd zolgad breaking down the Vikings topics and anything else NFL-related. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe on iTunes under Purple Podcast. Rate us, leave a comment, positive or negative. Tell us how you really feel, and we'll promise to do the same. Joining me now is Ole Miss wide receivers coach Grant Hurd, who is a part of one of the hottest programs in college football right now. Uh, Grant, I'm sure it was a surreal scene at your pro day last month where 32 teams were watching three potential first-round picks. Uh, what's it like to be part of Ole Miss these days?
4: Uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's a great time to uh, see all the hard work that those guys have put in and uh, to have those teams come out and, and, watch, them and watch them perform on a pro day. Uh, it's just a great uh, tribute to what they've done and what Coach Freeze has done here uh, in our short timing.
1: Of course, on the flip side of that, you lose a talent like Laquan Treadwell, who was a five-star recruit out of Chicago and will now enter the NFL draft at age 20 as the all-time leading receiver in Rebels history. Grant, was it much of a debate with Laquan of him foregoing his senior season after having such a strong junior campaign? Uh, was it was it kind of a gimme at that point, or what, what were the discussions like?
4: Uh you know, we, we didn't talk a lot about it until uh, until later on in the process. Uh, just really try to keep him focused on, on the season, just having the best season he could have. And, and when it was time, we crossed that bridge when we got to it. And uh, he stayed the course and, and had an uh, absolutely amazing year. And so, uh, you know, I, I just he asked my opinion a couple times, and I told him, you know what, it, it was time for him to take that next step.
1: Now, many NFL teams certainly agree with you that he's ready for that next step. Uh, he could very well be one of the top, if not the top, receiver taken uh, in this month's NFL draft. Grant, what makes you confident that he's ready to be in the NFL?
4: Just his uh, his work ethic, and uh, you know he wants to be great. Uh, he wants to be one of the best, uh, and and so I, I think he has all the tools he needs to succeed.
1: Now, for those who don't know, Laquan Treadwell came back from a broken fibula as a sophomore to lead the SEC last fall with eleven touchdown catches. Uh, Grant, was there a point last off-season or during the year this past year where where you saw something? Maybe it was a play uh, where you said, "Yeah, okay, Laquan is is back. He's fully healthy now." Uh probably
4: in practice. Once he just had confidence and uh, taking a hit. And stopped thinking about it and was just playing. Once I saw that, it wasn't just a play, but um, to see him be able to take a lick and get up and and be his old self and have excitement about it, I knew he was back, and he was actually getting better than he was the year before.
1: Now, Laquan has been a playmaker everywhere he's been. Uh, Like I said, he was a five-star recruit out of high school. Uh, He led – College football's toughest defensive conference with 11 gr- touchdown grabs last year. Um, but he goes through the combine, goes through the pro day workouts. Those don't seem to necessarily be the best way to showcase his style of play. Grant, how would you describe his style of play?
4: He, he's a big physical kid. He, he's not just a burner. But the one thing he does do, is he makes a tough catch. Um, has strong hands and, and has great body control. He's. He knows how to play big. He's not just a big body that plays small. He's a big body that plays very big, and he knows it. And uh, he uses his body well to shield off the at times and, and catch balls in all uh, types spaces.
1: Yeah, a lot of draft analysts and people will point out uh, his prowess as a blocker, uh, perhaps maybe the best blocking receiver in this draft class. The Vikings with Adrian Peterson uh, certainly could use those kind of talents. Does Laquan like to hit people? Because not all the receivers do.
4: He does. He loves to impose his will on a B-B when he gets a chance. Um, you know, BD's always taking shots at, at wideouts when and, and they get back off the middle or something. And uh, he knows when he gets a chance to block. One, he knows it helps our team. And uh for two, he knows if he gets chance to get, take a shot back at them and uh, use that size and
1: that strength of the guy. Now Laquan Treble could certainly be the Vikings pick at number 23 overall. And he's met with the Vikings multiple times throughout this process. He came to Minnesota on one of the pre-draft visits. Grant, tell us what kind of guy off the field the Vikings would be getting uh, if they drafted Laquan Treadwell.
4: He, um, he, this year, for sure, he, he stays in the film room. He, he wants to know who he's going up against, uh, how to try to attack him. He's always asking questions. Um, you know, he, he doesn't think he has all the answers. He, he wants to learn, and he wants to learn from the best. And uh, after practice, he always stays late. Um, there's times I had to tell him it was time to go in. He'd stay out there all day. And, uh, you know, I um, you know, we've had a game this week. I need you ready for the game. But he, he wanted to stay out there. If he, someone wasn't right, he wanted to be the push And so um, he, this is his approach and his mindset to uh, learn uh has helped him tremendously.
1: So who's a guy that Laquan Treadwell reminds you of, whether it be a guy you watch on Sundays in the NFL, if you get a chance, a guy you've coached before or maybe have seen in the same conference? Uh, who's a comparison for Laquan Treadwell?
4: Like I said, don't, I don't watch it enough. I see highlights here and there. Um, but, you know, whoever, a big, you know, some guys told me Doug Bryant, and Bryant is a great talent. Uh, but I, I have not seen enough of Desmond ground to say that uh, he compares to
1: him. Now, Laquan Treadwell opts not to run at the scouting combine; instead, saving it four down there at Ole Miss. He ends up running a four-six-three, which drew some concern. Grant, what do you have to say to people who uh, are worried about his prospects based on a forty-yard dash time? Uh,
4: you know, to me and take. I know in the clock it says four six, and you tell him it's you know, He doesn't play like a four six guy. You see him getting behind defenders all the time, um, and I can't remember a time where I seen him actually just get run down and caught. So, you know, I know on paper that might scare some guys and make some kind of question stuff, but on, on on Saturday he showed up and he plays fast. He, he plays fast. He doesn't play like a four six kid
1: and I know I'm not necessarily asking the most unbiased source, uh, Grant, but is what extra is there to be said for a receiver coming from the SEC where uh, at least it, consensus says some of the toughest college football has played?
4: Uh, you know, I would say that, you know, that they're battle tested uh, They play against the best. And, uh, you know, those guys that we played, most of those guys ended up playing on Sunday. And so... Uh, I think to be in this league, I feel he can to be a man as a keep growing and uh, getting better and working as his craft. Uh But this league here, you're playing against the best day uh, every Saturday, and, and uh, that's got to prepare you for that next level.
1: How much have you kept in touch with Laquan uh, since the end of the season, and what's this process been like for him?
4: Uh, I, I do speak with him. Um, it, he's excited about it you know, with all the travel and where he where he has to be and meet with this team and and uh, but he's enjoying it. Um he's just studying it day by day and and uh, I and mean, I told him this is a time that we'll never get get to do this again. And so uh enjoy it and and, and just learn from it and, and hopefully you can get somebody else out of with next time.
1: All right. Thank you, coach. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Grant Hurd, the wide receivers coach from the University of Mississippi. Up next, we're going to talk to CBS Sports draft analyst Dane Brugler who's going to put it all into perspective for us. I'm joined now by Dane Brugler, Senior Draft Analyst for CBS Sports and NFL Draft Scout. You should check out his work, which includes his annual draft guide, by following him on Twitter at DPBrugler, that's all one word, at D.P. Brugler. Dane, thanks for joining me. The Vikings sit with the 23rd overall pick and have spent the past few months digging deep on the top prospects in this receiver class. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on the group as a whole, because we've recently seen the likes of Sammy Watkins, Odell Beckham Jr., Amari Cooper come through the first round, while this class hasn't been regarded as highly. Dane, is this a good year to be looking for a top-flight receiver
5: you know, I think we've uh, we've been spoiled the last two years with the wide receiver class. So, I, you know, on the just looking at this wide receiver group, it might not look as strong. But like I said, I think we've been spoiled the last two years. Okay. Uh, but this draft, to me, uh, for the wide receiver position has very good depth. We might not have a wide receiver drafted top 20 this year, uh, which is great news for uh, it seemed like Minnesota picking at number 23. But I think there's excellent value in the late first, the second, the third round. A lot of talented receivers, a lot of different directions you can go. And so between picks 20 and 60, we're definitely going to see a run on these wide receivers. But if you're the Vikings uh, and you know, you're know you picking at pick 23, I think you're in a great spot uh, if you're looking at wide receiver. Uh, the only thing that would worry me is Houston's picking one spot ahead of you who also could go wide receiver. Um, but I think they're in a good spot. Uh, There's a couple of different directions they can go, a couple of uh, guys that can step in from day one, help at the receiver position.
1: Speaking of the Houston Texans, you've got them taking the first receiver of the draft in your latest mock at 22nd overall, uh, one spot ahead of the Vikings with Will Fuller, the Notre Dame playmaker, uh, just before the Vikings take Laquan Treadwell at 23rd overall in your latest mock draft, uh, Dane, why do you have the Texans taking Fuller as the first receiver off the board?
5: Well, me personally, he's my number seven wide receiver. I'm not as high on Will Fuller as others, but uh, what Will, Will Fuller can do as a vertical presence is really going to uh, be appealing to NFL teams, especially for a team like Houston, who you know they have DeAndre Hopkins on one side could really use that vertical presence on the other. And you just brought in a quarterback, Brock Osweiler, who has a huge arm uh, and can test the field uh, vertically. So with Will Fuller, his ability to track the ball deep, has that secondary burst, um, and he's a little bit of a one-trick pony, but he's really good at that one trick. And so that's why I think he has a chance to be uh, one of the first receivers off the board, and uh, I think he'd be a good fit with what uh, Houston wants to do at three twenty two.
1: Yeah, as many touchdowns as Fuller scored at Notre Dame, uh, Dane, I just don't see the fit, uh, at least with what the Vikings are trying to do with their pick at number 23. You mentioned arm strength, the Brock Osweiler. Uh, that has not been Teddy Bridgewater's strength so far in the NFL. Uh, what's your take on that? Do you see Fuller as a fit with what Minnesota's trying to do?
5: Possibly, but I, I think there's much better uh, directions that could go with this pick. Um, I, I think Josh Dawson from TCU. Now, if Laquan Treadwell falls to pick 23, I, to me that's a no brainer. What Laquan Treadwell brings to the field, uh, he's one of the top ten talents this year in, in my opinion. Uh 6'2", 220 pounds. Uh, yes, he ran a four six forty yard dash, but, but when you watch him on tape, um and, and you know you start you, you start to realize how good of a player he is and you jot down why, speed isn't one of them. Right? he's able to win with his ball skills, his catch radius, his physicality. This is a player that's only twenty years old. So Laquan Treadwell will continue to get better and better and what he did in the SEC uh, this past year, leading the league in, in, in uh, receiving categories, uh, reception, touchdowns. Um, I think Laquan Treadwell translates very well to this game and reminds me a lot of a lesser dynamic version of Des Bryant. Uh doesn't have the same type of athleticism, but in terms of his ability at the catch point, that's where I see a lot of Des like qualities.
1: Let's get into Laquan Treadwell. Uh, why shouldn't teams be concerned with that 40 time?
5: Well, because I think he plays much faster than a four-six uh, uh, receiver in the forty-yard dash, um, and you know he, he he's not going to be a player that consistently creates uh, a consistent separation. That's not his game. But you just throw it within a couple feet of him, and he's going to find a way to go get it. It doesn't matter if it's above his head or at his shoelaces. He has strong hands to pluck away from his frame, um, and he wants the ball more than the defensive back does. And, and so I think because. Because of those reasons, um, you know I, he's more than just a possession target as well. He has a little bit of twitch after the catch, uh, can and turn and run up uh, down the field, and he also provides a lot of value as a blocker. Uh, he's probably one of the best blocking back, or receivers we've seen uh, over the last few years. So a lot to like with tried Treadwell. Some teams will be scared off by the 40-yard dash, but when you watch him on film, the, the speed uh, is it, certainly enough to get the job done. And so I'm not too worried about
1: the 4 6 40. There are two other receivers who kind of intrigue uh, me anyway, Dane, that fit the mold as the big target split end. And they're TCU's Josh Doxon and Ohio State's Michael Thomas. Now, putting those three together, Treadwell, Doxon, and Thomas, uh, Who's the most polished prospect as far as routes and the other nuances of the position? Because the Vikings have recently made a first-round pick on a project in Cordero Patterson that hasn't panned out so far.
5: Well, if you're looking for a detailed strategic route runner, that's Michael Thomas from Ohio State, uh, almost 6'3", 217 pounds, uh, not a burner. I mean, he's, you know, a 4, 5, 7, 40 type of type of athlete. But what he does with his footwork at the stem of the route, uh, he's able to create his own separation, um, and, and you know, he, can get, uh, he can get corners leaning, get their, uh, them to commit their hips uh, with his different uh, nuances and tempo. As a route runner, so if that's what you're looking for, I think Michael Thomas fits the bill. Uh, But Josh Dawson brings a little just more uh, big playability. Uh, His body control and his tracking skills down the field are outstanding, Uh, nothing against Trevon Boykin, but Josh Dawson has the ability to make inaccurate quarterbacks look really accurate. Uh, He's that type of downfield presence. Um, To me, Josh Dawson, I I give him the edge over Michael Thomas. Uh, Dawson didn't run a full route three at TCU as part of that offense but uh, I think he'll continue to develop those routes. and um, I, I would have no problem taking Dotson over Thomas in that situation.
1: Yeah. Touching on Thomas, who, who hasn't really received as much attention maybe as the big 12 guys or Treadwell um, was Michael Thomas, a guy that was limited by the offense at Ohio state.
5: Yeah, there's no question that, they, you know, Ohio state was a run first uh, yeah. offense and that spread attack and not to mention the issues they had at quarterback. And so, uh, Michael Thomas was still able to be productive the last two years. He had over 54 catches uh, each of the last two years, um, and, and nine touchdowns uh, as a as a sophomore and a junior. So Michael Thomas, I think he played above what uh, with that offense. Probably should, you know, the staff should say. Uh, but I think he's a player. You know, he's Keyshawn Johnson's nephew. Mm-hmm. He's a player who's continued to to progress and get better um, over his Ohio State career. I think he's an ideal number two wide receiver uh, at the next level because he has the savvy uh, with his footwork, with his routes, uh, his body control, his ball skills. He can be a reliable possession guy, so I think Michael Thomas late first, early second round, uh, that's where his value is.
1: Now, the one thing you said that really stuck out to me was Josh Doxon being able to make inaccurate quarterbacks look really accurate. Uh, Doxson posted some top numbers at the Combine as well, including a 41-inch vertical. Uh, everything he's done lately has seemed to stick out about him, the 23-year-old out of TCU. Uh, though this is the time of year that they're really going to start poking holes in a guy's game, teams are going to start talking themselves out of prospects. Uh, what should teams be concerned about with a guy like Josh Doxson?
5: Well, all of his experience has come in a spread offense, uh, and so he didn't run the full route tree, um, and so that is a, is an issue. Um, and, you know, he's 6'2", but he's only 200 pounds, uh, not the, doesn't have the build that you want ideally for a wide receiver. But his effort on throws that are anywhere in his zip code are tremendous. And that catch radius, he, he just knows how to contort his body mm-hmm. and find a way to finish catches. Um, and I think he has that resilient mentality that you want. Um, and he, he brings an extra element to the offense, uh, not only as a downfield threat, but he can help you over the middle. He can help you in the flat. He can help at every level of the defense. Um, so Josh Dawson, to me, uh, might not be a complete player yet, but I think it won't take him long to get there once he gets some NFL coaching under his belt and he improves in a few areas.
1: You've got Doxon going number 24 overall, three straight wide receivers in your first round of the mock draft uh, to the Cincinnati Bengals after the Vikings take Treadwell and the Texans take Fuller. Uh, between Treadwell and Doxon, are those the two guys that you consider for the Vikings at number 23?
5: Yeah, they are. And uh, To me, Treadwell is just the clear-cut top receiver this year. And okay. so, I, you know, if I have a chance to get him, especially in the 20s, um, yeah, I'm taking him. But I do like Josh Doxson quite a bit. And, so I, I, Treadwell gets the edge over Dachshund for me, but uh, if Treadwell's off the board, then you know, Dachshund is a very appealing
1: player. Before I let you go, Dane, I want to ask you, who's the best of the rest? If the Vikings decided to wait to address wide receiver beyond the first round, uh, who are some of the prospects that could be targeting?
5: Well, it, there's uh, a few different options depending on uh, the type of receiver that you want. Uh, Sterling Shepard from Oklahoma. Um, and he was just been nothing but productive over his career, his body control, uh, his route savvy is fantastic. Uh, not the biggest guy, 5'10", 195 pounds, uh, but Shepard is a playmaker. Um, and, and then you get into a few of these guys that don't have the ideal, uh, speed, but they were productive in college. And, uh, you know, I think the tape speaks, uh, it tells them more about their football game rather than the measurables. Farrow Cooper from South Carolina is one of them. He reminds me a lot of a Randall uh, Cobb type of talent. Um, just uh, able to be productive however you want to use him. You line him up in the backfield, you put him in a slot out wide, whatever. He can make plays. Uh, Rashard Higgins from Colorado State. He's also in that mix. Tyler Boyd from Pitt. And Braxton Miller from Ohio State. Um, you know, all these guys bring something different to the table. You also have their 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 homorps and, and things you have to be concerned about them. But, Love the depth of the wide receiver position in the top 75 this year. I think all these guys can contribute and be starters in the league.
1: Great insight, Dane. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast to break down the wide receivers.
5: Anytime. Thank you. And
1: Dane Brugler, CBS Sports. Again, make sure you go ahead and check out his work at uh, cbssports.com, nfldraftscout.com, and uh, go buy his annual draft guide analyzing 450 prospects. Or you could uh, get some insight
2: for free following him on Twitter, at Brugler. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged Door Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players, that is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother. We don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Been online where the game starts.